Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. As we always do on a Monday, well, we'll start things out by bringing someone in to have a look at some of the stories uh, from the weekend. Today, it's Elaine Burke. Elaine is editor of Silicon Republic and host of the For Tech's Sake podcast. Elaine, good afternoon to you. Nice to see you. Uh, it's rare enough I interview anyone who doesn't have a podcast these days, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel very lonely. Uh, right, so th- th- tell us now... Everybody know, probably knows that Facebook was renamed Meta and and there was a, a greater reason uh, behind this. I mean, has Mark Zuckerberg bet the farm on this idea that sooner or later every there'll be no such thing as people meeting face to face or even over a Zoom call, everyone have a massive pair of goggles on and have some sort of avatar doing things for yeah, them? Yeah, it's the idea that the way you interact with the internet will be this VR uh base of doing it. So instead of interacting to the internet through your phone or a laptop, he expects that you'll be interacting by using a headset, which I don't think is very realistic. Yeah. And so, what, what they did some sort of demonstration of this last week, is that the Yeah, case? they had an event where uh, they were announcing kind of updates to their metaverse technologies and um, I mean, one of the updates was that they're going to allow people to access the metaverse through laptops now. So it's like, well then what's the point of you going all uh, hard on all the VR tech and how that's going to be the future if you're still trying to make the compromises now? Because I, I've even read about VR companies themselves who develop this technology. They still host their own meetings through Zoom. So (laughs) is this really going to become a thing? And uh, Facebook's own metaverse team is also getting written up for not using the technology to do their own meetings. Like they're getting in trouble with their VP. So the the last week's announcement and like the lack of kind of solid updates and like conviction around this technology has has led to a a bit of the press kind of turning on the hype cycle around the metaverse and Meta's uh, move into it. One of their bigger announcements was that they're bringing out legs and then the legs that they demonstrated on uh, Mark Zuckerberg's avatar were actually animated by motion capture technology anyway. Like, so they don't actually have avatars with legs yeah, in their own and just technology. to explain that because I, I, I'd read that before and I thought I don't, is this some technical term I don't understand but actually the figures the avatars for people just don't have legs yeah, they're, they're kind just of floating, floating torsos yeah. with like they have heads and arms but no legs okay. typically but I suppose you wouldn't really need legs unless you were in a dance company or something yeah, yeah. Or unless you're trying to do like a VR version of Dance Dance Revolution or something like that yeah. which there's definitely people who would like to play games in, in VR and there's definitely a subset of the gaming market that would be interested in this technology but Zuckerberg's idea that every everyone's going to be engaging with this technology is a little bit deluded, I think. So what's his sales pitch in terms of why would businesses be using this? So he thinks meetings in the metaverse is going to be the thing. That's like how you're going to uh, liaise with your colleagues who are working probably in different uh, parts of the world. Mm. Uh, The way we work now is kind of has become a bit more uh, split up like that. And I suppose like the, there are issues with say working remotely with colleagues whether it's that you work hybrid in Ireland or if you work with people in different time zones and stuff like that and we, we solved some of those things when we introduced Zoom and we all learned a little bit more about hybrid working in the last couple of years and I don't think anyone's response to the issues that still remain around that is like oh yeah I'd rather strap a monitor, monitor to my face and then that will solve my yeah. issues in Zoom meetings those aren't the problems I think and, and he seems to think that this is the way to kind of get rid of friction Whereas I see it as you add more tech, you add more friction because as well as you're on mute and I can't hear mm. you and the, there's a lag in the broadband, you're also getting, um, oh, I have to charge up my headset because I've only got an hour of battery in it yeah. or something like that. What does he mean by friction? Um, well, I think he wants to create this um, 
kind of space where you're interacting online and because it feels more immersive and when you do wear a VR headset you do have that kind of immersive uh, Mm. experience with the technology he thinks that that'll make it more like meeting in person but meeting in person is still I think what people prefer if they want to have like a proper collaborative meeting um, or even like you know I'm in studio now because it's just better to do these things in person sometimes but sometimes you don't and the remote stuff is going to be the compromise so if he wants companies to invest so much because you'd need to have all these headsets yeah. like every person in the meeting would need to have one of these headsets and they're going to be about 1800 euro at the high spec end of it and you'd need at least two <laughs> because one isn't going to do it I just don't think like as a compromise it's a high investment that you're asking for there yeah. as well. So it's just, I just and, don't and see it as realistic. For what really? And at the moment, no, I mean, it might be a case that, uh, like, as with many things, that initially people thought, ah, that'll never catch on. But people kind of have to, and but then when the technology improves and that kind of stuff, that maybe it might turn, because I assume the headset is like the, the kind of gaming headsets you get now. They're large, yeah, fairly and cumbersome things. Yeah, yeah. And like the new one is supposed to be a lot sleeker and a lot better. And that was just announced this week. So I haven't got my hands on it or anything yet. But um, I think uh, there's lots of people who say like, oh, in a few years, like people will be laughing at you saying that this is never going to take off. It's like saying that the internet wasn't going to take off or the app ecosystem wasn't going to take off. But I mean, Steve Jobs didn't invent the smartphone. He did perfect it. Yeah. But that was a proven technology. People were already using Blackberry. So there was always a, already a use case for, case for people wanting to work mobile and, and that kind of thing. And other companies don't go all in on these kind of prospective, may not actually pan out technologies. Like Tesla make, makes electric cars. It wants to be famous for making self-driving cars, but they're still a long, long way away. So that's yeah. still a side project. Apple is making VR headsets as well. But it's it's not banking everything on VR taking off. It's still going to stick with iPhones. It's still going to stick with things like AirPods and stuff like that, that it's really perfecting and that there are defined use cases that have mass adoption available there. Is it a, this to do with Zuckerberg's ego then? Is this he wants think, to come up with something big? I think there's ego at play. And then there's also like, you have to imagine like uh, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't live in the real world that we all live in. Like he, he lives a very, very different life. He's been a billionaire since a very young age. And I'm sure he's surrounded by people who tell him that every idea he has is a good one. And uh, he he bought the technology for a lot of this VR stuff. So he bought Oculus Rift, which was one of the pioneers mm. in, in VR gaming technology uh, back in, I think it was 2012, he bought it. So it's 10 years he's bought this company and he's had this notion. As far as I know, from the first time he tried out this tech, he was just enamoured with it. And he's he's just really deciding to bet the whole house on it and I don't know if he has enough people to tell him maybe it's not a good idea and I don't think he has enough of a clue of how normal people interact on a day-to-day basis and at work to really understand that this doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, Are there other people in Meta who might say, hey boss, you know, we're not making as much, you know, we should be kind of uh, um, uh, enraging uh, right-wing incels on Facebook or whatever it is they, they actually make their money from. Yeah, and that's actually what's really frustrating here. Like, I was actually on Facebook during the week and I'm barely on it. And pressing the like button takes a good few seconds for it to actually register. Like, that platform is just a mess. Like, regardless of all the moderation issues, like, oh. it just doesn't function very well. And then when you're scheduling posts or doing things as a marketer, that, f- that stuff that people are actually paying for, that doesn't function actually very well compared to its competitors either. And I'm just very confused as to why a company that has platforms that are actually revenue generating isn't investing its uh, technology and research and development into improving that. And instead, it's just buying up new ideas. And like Zuckerberg himself, he had the idea for Facebook with a few friends, but he's bought in every everything else that's done well for them since then. He bought WhatsApp, he bought Instagram yeah, and he's after yeah. buying Oculus. So like, does he have any good ideas left? I'm not sure. It's probably, yeah, it's, you, you probably do reach a point where you think 
I might be too old to have my, uh, <laughs> any more ideas. Now, do many companies use artificial intelligence to recruit people? Um, it is definitely becoming more common. It, bigger companies that have the kind of uh, money that can invest in this technology and have the kind of scale of uh, job openings and applicants to process uh they would be the ones who are more likely to use at the moment. But there are a lot of startups working in this space, in the AI um, recruitment space, and they're trying to sell to all sorts of companies. So there's there's lots of um, opportunities there to buy into this technology. And I think the adoption is mainly in larger companies at the moment who are can afford to be a bit more experimental. Yeah, and and the, kind of the, the results from those aren't particularly promising in terms of it doesn't eradicate human bias, it just replicates So it. that's the pitch that a lot of this uh, these services make, is that if you use uh, recruitment tech Technology it eliminates bias because it's you're not bringing uh, your own biases to the equation when you're evaluating CVs at the early stages or something like that. So um, a bot can literally read the CV and make decisions that mm. are kind of agnostic. They're not based on uh, where the applicant is coming from or their name or, or, or uh, things like that. So that's the idea that's sold about this AI technology. But a lot of AI technologists, especially the ones who work in the bias space and in ethics and AI, they would warn that anything to do with AI is imbued with our own biases anyway. Because mm. the people developing the AI have biases and the AI is t- trained on data and data is about things that have happened already. So if you train AI on how recruitment has already taken place to date and recruitment to date has been biased in some way, well, then it just learns to be biased. Yeah. So that's finally kind of come to bear. So that, that argument that might have been posited by uh, some AI researchers, uh, a Cambridge research team actually mimicked one of the top AI techs uh, out in the market today and found that it did. It just entrenched the biases there. It didn't actually improve um, or disp- dispel any biases at all. That's kind of... <laughs> That's a bit mad, really, because you'd think you would deliberately go out of your way to to seek out those biases that you might have inadvertently put in there and and, and rinse them out. I do think, I think uh, there's a lot of like a human aspect to this that I think has proven a bit more useful where people do training on unconscious bias and stuff like that. And that kind of awareness, if you bring that to your job, that you might have unconscious biases yourself Mm. and you bring that awareness to your job and then that can help you um, mitigate against those factors. But how do you tell a machine to do that? Because like the machine isn't a person that can uh, like empathise with these things. So um, I I think there's a, a long ways to go in terms of AI and bias and there's there's great research gone into it and uh, there's great researchers who like talk the talk on this and are trying to guide um, the people who make this technology and how to make it better and to kind of think of like think of where your data set is coming from so even like um, image AI um, if you Google certain things uh, like scientists or something like that you'll probably get a lot of uh, middle-aged white men in lab coats mm. and not see a lot of women and not see a lot of people of colour so if you then train an image AI on things that already exist on the internet and it's just doing internet searches and it's finding like when when I as an AI look up scientist, this is what I find. Then if you ask an AI to generate an image of a scientist, it's going to draw the same thing. So it's yeah. going to draw the same conclusions. Yeah. Uh, it's bit, uh, and I suppose it's kind of a related story. And I'm actually slightly surprised at this because I would have thought the gender pay gap would be larger in other industries. I would have thought the IT industry would be more progressive and need people regardless of their gender and pay them as much as possible. Yeah, so this is a story that the gender pay gap is highest in IT 
in Ireland, which is uh, very unfortunate for the IT sector. It's not a good it's not a good look at all. So the average across the board is 16% of a pay gap. And uh, I, I did some quick maths on this. I think it's about 20% in IT. So on average, a male IT worker earns 62,874 per annum and a woman earns an average of 50,839. So a gap of about 12 grand between the two. Mm. And the research has shown that this is kind of, uh, it's starting early. It's starting at the early stage and it's continuing up the chain. So it's not even that they're starting on a parity. And the the pay gap is kind of persistent through all levels, it seems. Yeah. Is there is in terms of the amount, is it still a more male dominated industry? I would say, like from my experience and from the stats that I've seen, it is. Uh, now, it has improved. It would have been worse uh, 10 years ago, five years ago, and steps have been made to try and improve upon that. Um, so you're looking at, like, depending on which sector of IT, you're looking at at least you usually see a minimum of a third Women, some uh, companies in particular, some sectors have done a really jo- good job of getting it to near 50-50. Mm. But you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't tend to see less than a third women these days where it, that wasn't the okay, case Okay, that's before. significant yeah. then. And that's particularly significant given that the, that gap is Exactly, there. yeah. It's, it's not good. And it's just, it's just really frustrating because there's a lot of uh, attention paid to um, encouraging women into STEM and trying to solve this, this pay, yeah. uh, or not just the pay divide, but just the divide. Uh, the gender divide in tech and this this just doesn't help and I think um, a lot of the initiatives around trying to improve the, this the, um, gender disparity in, in tech tends to focus on we need to get more secondary school girls thinking about tech early on and choosing subjects that will align with going on to a career in tech and then when they're making their college choices we want them to go into college um, courses that will lead them into STEM and then they graduate they get into STEM careers and that early stage support is gone there's no one else there's no more mentorship there's no more encouraging yeah. them into things and and that's the feedback that I hear a lot of the time it's that they get into these careers it's not what they were sold on it's not the gender diverse uh, economy that they were expecting and they, they tend to leave then so there is definitely a lot of issues there that still need to be worked out yeah. now gender pay gap reporting is Mandatory now in Ireland. It was instigated mm, in yeah. May. Companies with over 250 employees had to name a date in June that they would kind of take note of what all their employees are being paid. And then they have to report on those figures before six months has elapsed. So by the end of this year, we will know what every large company in Ireland is paying people and what pay gaps they have. And what will be really interesting there is what happened uh, in the UK this year on International Women's Day, there was a fantastic Twitter account set up just to, for every company that was tweeting out, oh, happy International Women's Day, they retweeted that tweet with the data on their gender pay gap. <laughs> and that can happen now for all these companies. So, I mean, they really need to get their act together and just start paying people equally. Like, there isn't any, there's no kind of softening around this. Like, you're just mm. not paying people equally. And even if you say things like, oh, the women who come to interview are asking for less, well, that's still on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're I the know, one who absolutely. knows the rates. That's going to be so interesting when those figures come out. Uh, finally, Kanye West is uh, buying, or is he called Kanye West anymore? Is Yay, he? but I think you have to Yay. call him Kanye West or else no one's going to know who we're talking about. Yay. Uh, Parler, is Parler like kind of, you know, Trump's Twitter and now I know he owns his own one, but kind of Trump supporting Twitter, but yeah. didn't do that well. So Parler was set up by a separate team, not Trump's team. Trump has his own one called Truth Social, so he'll even compete with his own uh, people <laughs> at this stage. Um, but Parler was set up for that contingent of people who uh, saw it as that they were getting censored too much on platforms like Twitter and Instagram for their opinions. And they wanted to create, uh, in air quotes, the free speech social mm. media platform. Um, so that's the people behind it. So it's a they've a parent company called Parliament Technologies, and they run a couple of other tech companies. And uh, Kanye. 
US has entered into uh, an agreement or discussions around an agreement. It's still not quite finalised yet uh, to acquire the platform. Uh, and he'll also kind of continue to use their technology. So obviously he's not a tech entrepreneur himself. He's more of a fashion entrepreneur. Um, but uh, he's wants to create what he's called an uncancellable environment. So this comes in the context of he was literally just suspended from both Instagram and Twitter for tweets that he made ah, that, right, okay. that express anti-Semitic views. So I don't know if this was as quickly as done as he was banned from social platforms and Parler maybe approached him <laughs> or he approached them. But you don't know with these people like who have this more money than sense like that it could have happened overnight mm. this deal um, and then it could fall apart overnight as well. But um, as it stands he is in discussions to buy his own social media platform. And is Parla doing well, particularly? It does well in, in its specific circle. So, yeah, okay. you know, if you're not in uh, that grouping, you've probably never heard of it and you probably never will. Like, it's never going to do the kind of numbers that your Twitters or your Facebooks or your TikToks or any of them are going to do. Um, just because it's, it's quite niche and it is just mm. kind of like a space for these... Um, uh, people who have probably been banned from other platforms. Yeah. To be told, That'd yeah. be interesting. Kenya would probably be the only black guy on it. Then. Gotcha. Probably, I would have thought. Uh, Elaine, thanks a million for coming into us today. That was Elaine Burke, their editor of Silicon Republic. Right, let's find out what's in the cash machine. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 pm on News Talk.